Well, good morning, everybody. For those of you who might not know who I am, I'm Pastor Jim Olson, and I have the privilege of serving here as the senior pastor of Bethel Christian Fellowship. Isn't it wonderful just to be together today as a family of God? It's just such an encouragement to our soul just to be with one another and to sharing the the love of of God and uh, worshiping Him and praising Him. All right. Well, this morning, let's just open our hearts. Uh, We have been in prayer and worship, but let's, as we prepare to receive the word, Lord Jesus, we welcome you now to speak to us. Lord, you who are the living, eternal word, we pray that you will come and speak your today, now word into our lives. You who are the Lord of all chronos, all chronological time, we pray for a kairos moment where you would interrupt, Lord, Um, our lives today, and we give you permission right now, Jesus, to mess with our hearts. Because, Lord, we know that you have only our good in your heart. And, Lord, you love us too much to leave us the way we are. You desire to transform us in order, God, that that our lives might more fully reflect the beauty of your glory and presence. So we just welcome you now. Come, Lord Jesus, here now, and speak to us, we pray, in the name of the Lord Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, this morning we are continuing a series that we began a couple of weeks ago, entitled Kingdom Culture. And uh, if you've not been with us, I would strongly, strongly encourage you to either pick up a CD and the PowerPoint uh, in the back here, or those of you that it's uh, better for you to do that through um, via the web, go to our website, uh, www.bethelTwinCities.org, and click on Media, and you can go, and you can download these messages. And uh, would encourage you to do so, because um, this is a very, uh, I don't know, there's just something in my spirit that, that really is resonating with what God is um, speaking to us, uh, during during this time, and so um, I just want to encourage you to to gather into that and to embrace and listen carefully and hear the word of the Lord to us. Um, as I've been sharing with you, I believe that um, in, in, in sort of my underlying um, position here that I'm coming from, and Pastor Sam and I as we're bringing these words here in Minneapolis and and in St. Paul here is that there is a kingdom culture which transcends all earthly cultures and transforms our cultural worldview, values, and practices. Again, what we've been looking at is sort of this concentric circles of a a worldview. That's That's the underlying assumptions. It's the iceberg of how we view the world around us. It's our perception, our perspective on how we think about life, and it's mostly unconscious. It's not even things that we can uh, fully understand, um, you know, or, or, or usually I should say consciously understand. It's just sort of embedded in who we are. Our values, um, our reflections of that worldview, uh, how we think about time and authority and relationships and identity and all kinds of things that, that are just a part of our daily lives are informed by that underlying worldview. And then practices are the thing that we tend to see on the outside that are a part of our life together, um, just visibly, the things that 
we see the fashions people wear, the foods that they eat, the things, the festivals that they do, the ways they celebrate, um, all kinds of things connected with practices. All right. Now, Romans chapter 12, 2 tells us, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so what we're after here in this series of studies is to allow ourselves to begin to go through that transformation process. Few of us understand just how strong the conforming of the world is in our lives. There is an ongoing conforming that is happening around us through so many different cultural influences around us. And we're swimming in it to the extent where it's like fish in water. We don't even realize what it is that we're swimming in. But through this opportunity of looking at kingdom culture, hopefully we're finding that whatever earthly culture we come from, because with people coming from 28 different nationalities who just worship with us here, plus our family of churches, there's a a wide range and complexity of earthly cultures represented right here in this house. However, we need to recognize that every single one of those cultures needs transformation through kingdom culture reality. There is no earthly culture that is a perfect reflection of this kingdom culture. And so we need to experience and What I hope you're doing and what I'm asking the Lord to do in me is to bring about this transformation into an understanding of, an embracing of, and a living and walking out of a kingdom culture reality. All right. Our key scripture here that we've been looking at is Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47. And so if you've got your Bible, you can turn there. Uh, to the book of Acts and chapter 2. And this scripture is familiar to many of us. It's kind of an encapsulation of the early church and the way it was living out its life together. And it's the, um, it's the scripture that we're unpacking together over these uh, summer months here. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. And they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, two weeks ago, we began our study by looking at They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And we looked at the issue of a culture of living truth. That this is part of kingdom culture, is a culture of living truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am in me, in Christ. There is a living truth. We can be in a, you know, and I've been in ministry long enough to know that there are congregations who are very true to the word, but are not live, alive in the spirit, and those congregations find themselves uh, moving into a place of what I would call dead orthodoxy. On the other hand, you can be very alive in the spirit, 
but not so much rooted in the truth and find yourself drifting off into what I affectionately call the spirit of weird. And so it's really helpful when you bring those two things together, the spirit and the word, and there is a living, active truth. I mean, the Bible says about itself that the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, and goes to separate even the marrow from the bones. It goes right to the heart of things, exposing our lives before God. This is a culture of living truth that informs and speaks into our lives. Now, last week, we looked at a culture of koinonia. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and then it says they continually devoted themselves to fellowship. Now, as we looked at last week, that word fellowship that we have in the English is sort of a wimpy word, let's be honest. It just sort of, you know, all it, all it sort of, when we think about fellowship, we just think about, you know, maybe uh, sort of, well, in Minnesota, we'd think of a Lutheran potluck and, and, a, and a salad bar and people bringing dessert bars and, and coffee and whatever. And so we think of fellowship sort of in a superficial way, but... We discovered last week that koinonia is something much deeper than that. It's actually a mutual participation in God. That it's rooted in, first of all, this reality of our mutual relationship with God. If Annette and I want to become closer to one another, as we come closer to God, it's like a triangle. As we get closer to God, we become closer to one another. And so in koinonia, there is a closeness and intimacy with God that we are uh, aiming towards, which results in greater intimacy with one another and a greater place of participation and partnership and relationship. And last week we talked about friendship and hospitality and some practical ways of living out koinonia. Now this morning, our focus is going to be on they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. And now, you're probably starting to get the point that we're going to be looking at this almost word by word. So next week, actually, um, we're going to be looking at a culture of dependence when we look at prayer. And the week after that, we're going to be looking at a culture of awe. And we're going to be unfolding these things over the weeks to come. But this morning, I want to specifically focus for a few moments on this concept of they've devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. Now, what on earth is that about? Now, I wish my wife still had, she had a loaf of bread. My wife's back, bless her heart, she's back teaching our Bhutanese uh, children this morning. She's helping out the, the workers there with learning how to work with children. And so she's back there. But she had a couple of nice loaves of bread. And if I had them, I'd pull them out right now. And they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. They continually devoted themselves to that. Well, what on earth is that about? Does that mean it was just one big movable feast and so they were just spending their lives eating together? Well, in short, yes. There was a lot of eating together that was going on. We love food here at Bethel Christian Fellowship. Um, If you don't leave better, you will leave bigger. So that's part of our motto here. And um, so we do love food. We had a great time last night uh, with Dave and Erica and... uh, I don't want to say celebrating, but it's not mourning. It's something in between. Um, As they prepare for their move to Scotland in a few weeks. But um, we had a wonderful time. Great food together. Um, That was great. Love to eat together. And eating together in the scripture is vitally important. In fact, it's very, very significant 
for the life together of a people to eat together. All right? By the way, if you're a family, this is way off topic, but I, I will put this plug in. I mean, our lives, if you look at our family life, it is enormously complex, and there's many, many moving parts, but there is a couple of parts that are almost completely immovable, one of those being supper together. We eat together as a family virtually every night, all right? Some way or another. I mean, sometimes it's disrupted. But anyway, you want your family to stay together, eat together, as well as pray together and play together and all those other things, all right? But eating together makes a big difference. All right, so... I don't know where that came from. Anyway, maybe somebody needed to hear that today. All right. So, but they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. Now, when it talks about the breaking of bread here, it's talking about something more than just eating food together. Can anybody tell me, I'm sure somebody out here has got a good guess, what is it that we're talking about when it says they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread? Communion. The Lord's Supper. That's right. They continually devoted themselves to the Lord's Supper. Interesting. So, what I would like to suggest to you this morning, in terms of understanding of kingdom culture, is that in this kingdom culture, what that tells me is that this kingdom culture was a culture of covenant. And it's connected integrally with the koinonia, and so I would, I would in fact call it a culture of covenantal community. But at the heart of that community is covenant. Our relationship with the living God. Again, Psalm 133, which we just read, how good and pleasant it is when people God's people live together in unity. It's like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life evermore. When God's people live together in unity, unity is one of the words that's at the foundation of community. It's unity with one another. And what I'm suggesting to you this morning is that that unity that we have with one another comes out of a covenantal relationship that we have with God and then because of that, the relationship we have with one another. Now, we don't understand covenant very well. Our forefathers, particularly our Jewish heritage, understands covenant much deeper and better than we do. We think in 21st century America, most of our um, both um, just natural and and even relational, kind of everything that we do is built around contracts. Now contracts are an earthly, um, you know, something that we make a contract with another person and each party signs and agrees to a certain thing and all of that. So when we think about our relationships oftentimes subconsciously at an underlying worldview perspective, and here's where the worldview thing, we're thinking in terms of contract. I'll do this for you if you do this for me. 
And we have this sort of internal scorecard in our head about that. But biblically, in a kingdom culture, is established on, con- on a covenant, not on a contract. And here's the difference. Here's, what, here's a working definition of covenant that you will not find on the PowerPoint, so you might want to jot down in your notes. Here's a, here's a good working definition of covenant. It is an unconditional, selfless commitment to love and serve. An unconditional, selfless commitment to love and serve. What Norm was describing this morning in the context of worship was God's covenant towards us. An unconditional, selfless commitment to love and to serve humanity, who he desires to be in relationship with. That is the very heart. That's the very heart of a culture of covenant. Now here's something as we move forward now that I want you to to grab hold of for just a moment. Here's kingdom culture reality. Listen to this. True Christianity can only take place in the context of covenantal community. In other words, you cannot experience true Christianity in isolation from other believers in Christ. It's that clear. Scripture is that clear. I'm not making this up. 62 times in the New Testament, the word saint appears to describe the people of God. 61 of the 62 times, it's plural. 61 of 62 times, it's the saints. The Bible knows nothing about individualistic Christianity. It does not exist in Scripture. It just doesn't. Scripturally, it is only in the context of relationship with one another that we truly live out a kingdom culture reality and a covenantal community. Now, understand, again, we live in a culture of contracts. We live in a culture of what I would call casual community. We live in a very consumer culture. So this concept of covenantal community is not well understood. People think, well, I can just, you know, I I got the buffet line and I can figure out, and if I don't like the lettuce at this buffet, I'll go to this buffet over here. And and people, people treat, end up treating the context of a church community much like they treat the concept of my hairdresser or the person who, you know, or the, my favorite restaurant or whatever it is, and I'll just, you know, I can just do what I like. That's casual consumer community. But true Christianity happens in covenantal community where we begin to share life together with one another. It's a lot Riskier? 
but it's a whole lot more fulfilling. All right. So let's talk about this. Covenantal community, first of all, is grounded in the cross. This scripture is just such a foundational scripture to what we're understanding here. For he himself, speaking of Jesus, is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross. Listen to that. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. So he has brought us all together, both of us, together through the cross of Jesus Christ. And that is the key to covenantal community, is this centeredness and groundedness in the cross. So here's my question then. What are the kingdom, culture, community, covenantal practices? Say that five times quick. All right. The kingdom, culture, community, covenantal practices which keep us properly oriented to the cross. There are two. The first is baptism. Now, our scripture here is in Acts 2, 42 to 47, that follows Peter's preaching. And in Acts 2, 38, 39, and then in verse 41, it says this. Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and all who are far off, for all who the Lord our God will call. And those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Here's the point of baptism. Through baptism, new members of God's community declare their allegiance to a new king and are affirmed as covenantal citizens in the kingdom culture community. Now, I know that this is theological, and maybe it sounds a little bit dry for you right now, but let me bring this alive to you. Through baptism, in baptism, we, I, I think, again, because we don't understand covenant very well, lots of things have sort of been diminished in our understanding or in, our, in, in importance in our heart and spirit. But I want you to elevate and understand the significance of baptism. You see, every single one of us will go through three significant encounters when we come to Christ. The first encounter we come to is a truth encounter where we choose to recognize that when Jesus said, I am the truth, that we recognize that he is in fact, in in reality, is that truth and we come into agreement with Him as the truth. The second encounter we have is a power encounter. There is a kingdom of darkness which we are a part of before we come to Christ. When we come into relationship with Christ, we cross kingdoms. 
We cross from the kingdom of this world, the kingdom of the enemy, the kingdom of this uh, present evil age, and we cross over into the kingdom of God. And when we do that, there is a power encounter that takes place. The third is the very encounter that Heidi so beautifully illustrated this morning in her testimony about martyrdom in specific. And that is, there is for each of us an allegiance encounter. Who will you serve? Who will you give your life to? Are you willing to die to yourself daily in order to experience his life. That is allegiance. And when we go through the process of baptism, we are declaring our allegiance to a new king. And we are saying, now I have become a member, one of the covenantal citizens of this new kingdom in So, what I want to encourage you this morning is this. If you have not taken the step of making that, having that allegiance encounter and making the deliberate public declaration of your faith in Jesus Christ, the covenant that you have with him, I want to encourage you to come and see me or one of the elders or staff or pastors around or someone in the congregation, let us know. September 9th, we will be having our next baptism service. And I encourage you to take that step. It is a deliberate step of saying, I am no longer simply, I'm no longer conformed to this earthly culture I'm a part of, but I am stepping in to the kingdom culture of our Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm declaring my allegiance to the King. Secondly, there is communion. Each month, we break bread together and receive communion. We typically share this scripture out of 1 Corinthians 11, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, in the night he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then, whoever eats this bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat from the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. Here's the point of communion the significance of it for us. In communion, God's people, that's us, recognize and remember the central place of the cross as the covenantal sign of the kingdom culture community, and they remember and reaffirm the citizenship of each one in the kingdom culture community. That's why we continually devote ourselves to the breaking of bread, because we forget. And so we are reminded and we remember and we recognize 
that it is the cross that is at the center of our covenantal relationship and it is the cross which is not only our covenant with God, but also our covenantal relationship with one another. So we remember the body of Christ. It's why it's significant. It's why it's important for us to regularly and consistently break bread together. That's why I love that on Typically, each first of each month, some of our other congregations join us for communion because it's a remembering. We remember I'm part of something much bigger than myself. I'm part of a kingdom culture with other citizens of that culture with me. All right. Point two. We're going to come through this really quickly here. Covenantal community is gathered by the Spirit. It's grounded in the cross and that it's the Spirit of God that gathers us together in covenantal community. Ephesians 4, 1-6. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of of all, who is over all and through all and in all. The unity of the Spirit. It's the Spirit of God who gathers us together in this community. And so the question I have for us this morning is, what are the kingdom, culture, community, covenantal practices which will keep us gathering together in the Spirit? So here now, we're looking at some things beyond just... So baptism and communion keep us oriented to the cross, how do we live this out on a regular, consistent basis so that we continue to gather in the unity of the Spirit? Well, I'm glad you asked, because I've got a few that I'd like to bring to you. The first is, choose to share life together. It's a choice. Choose to share. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promises faithful, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And I think that's the scripture that goes on to say, do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but continue to do so, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So there's a choice here for us in terms of our choosing to participate in life together. Here's the thing. The question is not, are we a part of the covenantal community of God's people, but how are we? If you have come to Christ, you are a part of the covenantal community. That's not the issue. But how are you a part of it does become an issue. And that's an issue of choice, which we love as Americans. We love choice. But, or yet, what I want to encourage you is to choose well. So here's what I'm going to invite you to do. I'm going to invite you to ask consistent, act consistently with the choice. And what does that look like? Here's an interesting thing. I'd like you to do this sometime. You can go through in your Bible. In the New Testament, we can just start, saturate all over again and start reading, you know, I'm reading again in the New Testament. 
and begin to look for all of the times that there are one another commands in the New Testament. I think if I've got my number accurate, you'll find 58 times there is a one another command in the scripture. Here are a few of those one another commands. Be members of one another. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another. Be of the same mind with one another. Accept one another. Admonish one another. Greet one another. Serve one another. Bear with one another, bear one another's burdens, and then bearing with one another. Submit to one another. Encourage one another. Now that's just 12. All right? Of the multitude that there are. Those are choices. Those are actions that we make. In fact, what I'd I'd like to say is that covenantal community is not an activity that you attend, but it's an action towards people with whom you belong. Church is not an event you go to. Church is a a reality that you experience, and it's a a decision and action choice that you make. I have a choice to honor my brother, my friend, Litovic. If I'm going to be in covenantal community with with Pastor Litovic, I'm going to honor him for who he is and for who God has made him. I'm going to accept Jeanette just in the way God made her, all of her beautiful way that she is, the new great haircut. All right? going to accept Jeanette, all right? We're going to encourage one another. Keep going, Jolene, Denise, keep going, encourage. Yes, you can do it. It's actions that we do. You've heard the story before, I'm sure, or you know a bit about geese and how they do their thing and why they fly in V formation, because... They're actually drafting off of one another. Right? And when one falls out of line, they quickly find themselves coming back into line because it's so much easier. And if one gets shot or hurt in some way, it's really interesting. A couple will peel off from the thing and go down and be with them until they're well enough to join the next V formation. And then they take turns in who's going to be out in front leading. And the whole time that they're doing it, they're honking at each other. Because they're encouraging. Keep going. Warmer weather is coming. Come on. So if we're going to be in covenantal community, we ought to have as much sense as the geese do. What are you honking? Towards one another. Yeah, cooler weather. Oh, Lord have mercy. All right. Last thing, last slide. Covenantal community is gravitational to the world. So it's grounded in the cross, you gather in the spirit, and then it becomes, it's, it's a magnet. 
It's a magnet. It provides... When people are living together in community, in true covenantal community, people around begin to go, I don't get it, but I like it. And I want that. I mean, Jesus was very clear about this. In John 13, he says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I've loved you, so you must love one another. There's another one another command. Love one another. By this, everyone will know you're my disciples, if you love one another. And my prayer is not for them alone. John 17, just a little later, in his, in his final prayer, he says, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I'm in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. As we covenant together and love one another in this kingdom culture community, our witness to the world will be relevant and credible and powerful. Jerry Cook in his book, Love, Acceptance, and Forgiveness, I love what he says here. He says, and this is right back to the the whole covenantal nature of things, and I'm going to end here, and so worship team, come on up. In the kingdom of God, we first love... Then we move into acquaintance. In this world, we first get acquainted, then we move into love sometimes. As a result, most people have many acquaintances and a few friends, but they're dying from a lack of love. Love is a commitment and operates independently of what we feel or do not feel. We need to extend this love to everyone who comes into our church. Brother, sister, I want you to know that I'm committed to you. You'll never knowingly suffer at my hands. I'll never say or do anything knowingly to hurt you. I'll always in every circumstance seek to help you and support you. If you're down and I can lift you up, I'll do that. Anything I have that you need, I'll share with you. And if need be, I'll give it to you. No matter what I find out about you and no matter what happens in the future, either good or bad, my commitment to you will never change and there's nothing you can do about it. You don't have to respond. I love you and that's what it means. And he says, a church that can make that commitment to every person is a church that's learning to love and a church that will be a force for God. It's really true. Ah. It's a culture of covenant that God is establishing among his people. And Yes, it's in-house. I mean, it's, it's our love. It's our covenant with one another within the context of Bethel Christian Fellowship. But it's much more than that. It's covenantal love with our family of churches that God is creating. Seven churches now, part of the Bethel family. There's a covenantal relationship with that family. But not only that, there's a covenant with the body of Christ as a whole. When Jesus looks, he sees the church of St. Paul, the church of the Twin Cities. He sees us in that place of oneness and in that covenant relationship. And so we encourage one another. We encourage other congregations. We encourage all that God is doing in the city and in the state and in the country and in the world because we are part of the worldwide people of God. We're part of a kingdom culture. I love it when I travel all over the world. And I may not know the language and I may not, I may not um, know exactly what I'm eating and I might not know a lot of other things. 
But when I meet brothers and sisters in Christ, I know that I have found a covenant friend, a brother, a sister. And there's a love there. It's so powerful. Let's stand together. We're going to sing a closing song, and I'm going to pray for us this morning. But let's just respond this morning. Just, just to let it soak into your heart now. Maybe ask yourself, Lord Jesus, is there... Lord, we just would ask you here in this house if there are places and areas that, Lord, we need to repent of, to change. Lord, we want to do that. Lord, if we need to step into baptism, there are individuals here who need to take that step. Would you urge and encourage them today? If we need to elevate our understanding of of breaking bread together, help us to realize what that really means. Much more than just simply a a religious ritual, Lord. It's It's a part of being in covenant with you and with one another. Lord, if there are specific actions that we need to do, if we need to forgive, if we need to, to um, more fully love, if we need to, to submit, if we need, God, whatever it is that we need to do with one another, we pray that you would help us, Lord God, to begin to act like who we are, the people of God, and help us live it out together. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. just reading this familiar scripture just the other day again what then shall we say in response to this if God is for us who can be against us he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen it is God who justifies who is he that condemns Christ Jesus who died more than that who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is interceding for us who shall separate us from the love of Christ shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword no in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us for I'm convinced that neither death nor life neither angels nor demons neither the present nor the future nor any powers Neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Just open our hands. If you are here this morning, you do not know of this great love that we've been singing of and you've heard of today. Today... The scripture, the Bible says, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to come into relationship. Today is to have every barrier between you and God broken down once and for all. Won't you come to Him and receive Him today? The free gift, He's gone all the way for you to die on a cross, to bring you salvation. So I invite you into relationship with the living God. If you want to talk about that, you can come and talk to Pastor Tom and Kathy who are right down in front here or anybody that you find around you. I'm sure there's some people that would be happy to pray with you, talk with you. And you enter in now into a covenantal community. And I want to pray for us together. Would you take the hand of the person next to you again this morning? And Lord Jesus, I pray that in this house here, 
God, that you would do something that only you can do. Only you can do. Lord, only you can bring about this kind of covenantal community. Lord Jesus, it's not something that we can manufacture in ourselves. It's not something that we can produce. Lord God, it's something that you have purchased. It's something that you do. So we ask you, do it in this house. Make us who you said we are. A house of prayer for all nations. Let us live our call to radiate your life and joy as a house of prayer for all nations. Only you can do it. So God, we just open our hearts to that covenant today and ask that you would establish it in the very foundation of our life together. God, we're weary and worn out from living in a culture of contracts and living in an isolated, individualistic culture. God, we're so tired of being alone. Lord, bring us together and let us be a reflection of you for your glory and praise. And all God's people said together, Amen. Amen. May it be so.